guy said, but you know, this Frost is a you know? <laughs> and I put the card in my pocket and I said, okay. Welcome back to my podcast, Beyond Victory. And today I'm very proud because my guest is Alain Prost, who is one of the most successful Formula One drivers of all time, four-time world champion. And of course, the legendary battle with Senna. So we're really going to dive into some of those intricacies. And I think it's going to be a very, very inspirational talk, hopefully. Okay, Alain, thank you so much for joining my podcast. I've been trying to ask you so kindly to join for like years and years and years. <laughs> and I've been annoying you and pestering you with, uh, with SMS. <laughs> So I really apologize, but I'm so happy that you're taking the time now. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks to you. You know, at, at the end, we, get, we do it. So with, with a great pleasure, Nico. Yeah. And of course, you're, I mean, one of the most successful Formula One drivers of all time, four-time champion, four-time runner-up, 51 wins. So incredible career. So that's why, of course, it's a, it's a great pleasure. And now I am an expert of your career, even more so than before, because I spent all the way until 1.30 at night last night <laughs> studying the career of Alain Prost <laughs> and all the details and everything. So now I know uh, quite a lot. And for example, one thing that I found really nice was that you spoke, I mean, one of the most positive things about all your comments was actually about my dad and about that year of 1986. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, you, know, you know why? Because I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about the rivalry between the drivers, you know, when your team met and things like this, you know, but uh, when KK arrived, when your dad in the team or just before, we already had some comments, comments that, uh, you know, because KK has a, had a very different style than mine and uh, was going to beat me, is going to destroy me or whatever, you know, you could... You could uh, and but the most important is the relation between the two because of different characters and uh, and uh, nationality. You know, it's, it's going to be uh, old. And uh, but at the end, it was maybe one of my best year with the teammate. Going back to the '86, at the end of the year, the last race, I've been world champion because of the our relation for two reasons. The first reason is the ambiance in the team was at the best in '86 because we really work well together. And our car was much less good than the Williams and Honda engine. But we keep, you know, uh, keep going and trying to get the, the best until the last race. But the last race, we have decided to have a different strategy. And KK had some problems with the tires, but mainly with the brakes also. Uh, to make the story short, it KK played the game, you know, so I've been world champion really because of that, because of, uh, of that. And that is really uh, good in the history of uh, Formula One when your teammates. It's not only fight or, uh, you know, uh, rivalities, it's also friendship, uh, also the, the benefit for the team. Yeah, of course. But that's very nice to hear that you had such positives about my dad. But saying that, I mean, it also was a bit easier because he struggled so much with the understeer that he couldn't really be your rival that year. So, uh, of course, that also makes the situation uh, a little bit easier. Yeah. Exactly. You don't know what is happening, but even, you know, even with Kiki, even, even with Ayrton, the first year in 88, we had a very good relation and he beat me. Uh, he had one, uh, what, uh, one yeah. more race on me, but one more win, but uh, we had a good relation. So you can have, uh, but it's very difficult on the long term. If you are fighting only yourself, like you did with uh, Lewis, with nobody can beat you, no other cars, no other drivers can beat you, or if you have another Another guy in the middle, like we had in 84 with Nelson, for example, when I was with Nikki. It's a different, uh, we all come back to the psychology also at the end. We're going to talk about that for sure. Yeah, let's, let's jump back to chronological order. I'd like to jump back to the beginning. So, of course, you got into Formula One very young. And what was your first, like, it was a big roller coaster for you huh, in the beginning of your Formula One career, also mentally. So what was your first big, big positive highlight that you experienced in your Formula One career? Well, the, the first first highlight, first positive highlight was the test I've done in, at the end of 79 before I arrived in Formula 1 because, uh, in fact, I came to the to Watkins Glen and Canada, the last races, of Formula 1 races, and uh, they have proposed to, Mark Lyon proposed to me the, a drive, you know, and I, I refused it because uh, I said, you know, I cannot drive Formula 1, especially at Watkins Glen, uh, please, uh, make a test where, where you want in Europe, but uh, I need to be more prepared. And uh, then we, they planned uh, 
the test in Ricard, but I got the information maybe three weeks after the last rest. So it's not like today, you know, when we had the mobile phone, the thing like this, the communication was not like this at the time. So I was sure that I was uh, finished because I had no other program. So I was almost ready to go back to work with my father and doing something different. And then I, I had this test, you know, with Kevin Cogan and uh, who, I don't know, Patrick Campbell, I think was there. But uh, yeah, that was the first highlight, you know. Were you fast? I was really fast. I was really, <laughs> I, no, I, I was really fast. I, I must say that, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're talking about highlight, but it's more that you, you remember sometimes. I got in the car, you know, when you got first time in the car, in Formula 1 car, coming from Formula 3, it's like a big... Uh, big one, you know, I said, I'm not going to be able to drive this kind of car, you know, with so much power. At the time, it was only uh, 500 horsepower, not more, even a little bit less. And then you do one lap, you know, a bit slow, second lap, a little bit quick. And the third lap, you realize that I'm going to do it. I feel well, you know, and that's the first thing I remember. I was sure after three laps that I would be, I would be uh, very good, very, very fast. I was convinced. And then you switched to Renault and the next big highlight was winning your home Grand Prix in the first year with Renault, where you then say a comment also and you say, when it works, you are God. Yeah. That's how you, you felt as well in that moment? I always felt that. I still feel it for other people or the sportsmen or whatever, or even not or even outside sport. I mean, when you win, I mean, um, you're like God because you, you can say... If you win and you're strong, you can say everything, even if it's you know, the people, they listen to you. And uh, otherwise, it's, yeah, it's part of the game, you know. But yeah, going back to winning the first race, it's a strange feeling because uh, it's not the moment that I remember the most, you know. It's like, uh, okay, you, you need to have a first time, you know, but that was the first time. Is uh, Okay, it was in France, it was with, with the French team. But it did not have the repercussion that I could um, imagine, you know, but it was really like first step and then I had to find something else. But it was a, a very difficult time at Renault 81, 82, 83 because... Uh, can, I, can I interrupt you there? I interrupt you because you say the difficult time. I just wanted to mention a few quotes that you said about this difficult time before you explain it. So you said it was the worst situation of my life Uh, it's incredible how much you can suffer when you are in the spotlight like that. These were some comments that you were you were saying at the time. So, uh, and it was all around your teammates being more loved in your country. So it was Arnaud at the time, and he was more loved in the country, even though you were much better and you were right in many incidents. Can you explain a little bit how, how tough that situation was? I think this quote arrived after, in 82, after the French Grand Prix, no? is uh, because uh, I really discovered a strange thing that I never experimented before. I never, I, I, I could not think about that. Because in fact, in 82, when we were, you know, we had, uh, we were fighting with the BMW engine. So I did not ask anything. And the team manager and, and the president of Renault at the time, Mr. Anon, they came in the motor room and they asked René, because I was leading the championship. He said, we are going to give you more boost on the engine and to fight with the Brabham. And then if they, they stop, because they were really like this with the reliability of the engines, if they stop and you are first and second, Alain should win the rest and you leave Alain winning the rest because that's part of the deal. He said, yes, no problem, do it like this. Then it happened exactly what we have expected. The Brabham fell and then we were first and second. They show him the board and he refused to, to lead the way. For win, okay, but couldn't understand, but uh, I would have preferred that he would say, no, uh, for win, I mean, I don't want to do that, you know. But the most important is not only uh, losing the rest and maybe losing the championship because uh, that was part of the, part also of the history, but it's the reaction of the people inside the team and, and many outside, especially on the public. You know, the, I'll tell you a, a fun story. I came back, uh, I was living in Saint-Chamond, a small city close to Saint-Étienne. Came back in the evening after the, leaving the Paul Ricard. I stopped on the fuel station. You know, at the time we had a, a card, a fuel card, you know. So I stopped the station and, and the guy was there and I had the card in hand. And he recognized me. I thought he recognized me. He said, oh, I saw you the rest and, uh, you know, uh, 
I was very upset and uh, whatever. I said, oh, yeah, wait. are you a P? I said, no, I'm not uh, a P. And the guy said, but you know, this frost is a you know? <laughs> uh, how, how can you, uh, how can you, uh, I mean, just, uh, you know, leave the way or things like this. I had the card in my hand. I put the card in my pocket. And I said, okay. And I understood. And from this moment, it's only one day, but it has been a disaster. And I could not understand that the, the justice, you know, is on the other side, you know, because I did not, never ask anything. And uh, I had some problems in France. And uh, that is from this period, I have decided to move to another country. And they even put your cars on fire, you know, in front of your house. And, and it was exactly. a total mess. But, and how did you deal with that personally, that this unfair hatred that came towards you, even though you were in the right and you never did anything wrong? They just happened to love the other driver more in that case. But how, how did you deal with that and rebuild yourself or, or get through this phase um, personally? It was one of the most difficult because I always think about that. I had the same experience in 89 with, with Ayrton, in fact, Imola, you know. So I had that twice in my career. And twice I've suffered, suffered about that in a big way. It's very difficult on the human side. Okay, people, they don't know me very well, but I'm very, I'm very straight. You know, I'm very straight. Sometimes maybe too much, but uh, for these kind of things, for the justice, for the, the word, if you give the word to somebody, if you, uh, I am very, very straight. And I could not accept that. But at, at the end of the day, you say, okay, in fact, the people around, around you, they are not like this, you know. And how, how can you handle that, you know? So in fact, you have to... You know, to go back to the people that you love and uh, they love you and you have to do friends and you, you separate more the people, but you have to live to the, with the media, with the press. I mean, uh, very lucky that I, we did not have the social media at the time because it would have been uh, a disaster. But that's nice how you say to regroup as well and re-find your own confidence. You go to search for those people that are close to you and that love you and the close friends, the, the people who are separate from this, uh, from this chaos. That's a very nice thought and, and thing to say. Difficult, but you know, for many, many years, I, I never read any uh, newspaper, uh, uh, you know, because uh, I did not want to read uh, anything. And I have, as you said, I mean, uh, two cars in front of me. I had some messages before every race on my answer machine, you know, and you're going to kill you, you're going to things. And uh, I was really afraid, you know, at, at one stage. It was really, it went over the top for nothing, you know, for nothing. For no reasons, you know, it's, it was really, really tough. And you had the same exactly again in 89, where the majority was on Senna's side, even though again. But is it possible to enjoy the sport still then in these moments, or is it just zero enjoyment? You, you enjoy less, and uh, that is the most difficult. You're, you always are in balance in your head and in your heart. Say, okay, I love my sport, I love my business. It's very important to have your team close to, to you, you know, even some mechanics, you know, how it is, you know, you need to have a, a few people, but very often you say, okay, well, why do you do that? I mean, uh, how can you do it? Why do you do it? And how can you do it at 100% if you are not psychologically, you know, at the top? Because at the end of the day, you need the, the public, you need the people to support you, you know, I mean, if you have a football match and if you have a, if you are in, in house or outside, you, you don't have the same... Uh, And it's exactly the same for us. Even if we are in the car with the helmet, they don't see you. But we need to have the, the support, you know. I mean, you drove at Monaco like me. When you are in Monaco and you can feel the people, they, 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 they shield for you, you know, and you can see the people even when you are driving. It gives you more confidence. It gives you more, more power, you know. And if you start to have some doubt about it, for sure, your, your performance can be a little bit less. So it's very difficult mentally. And that's, that is my... That was my biggest problem almost all my, all my career, for sure. Well, we all have that problem. Huh? It's a basic human need. Huh? We, our basic human need is we need to be or feel significant. And that means that we have acceptance from people around us. And in our case, as sportsmen, from the larger public and our team as well. It's something yeah. that is just unavoidably important for us as a human. And that makes it very unstable. And I give you an example of my career as well. For, for me, one of the most traumatic experiences, I was in Monza before the race. We were fighting for the championship as well with Lewis. And I was in the pit lane and we were doing signing session just before the race on a Sunday morning. And I hear quite a few people, boo, 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 you know, towards me. Many people were cheering, but of course, some of them were also booing. And then I turn 
and I look to where this booing is coming from. And you cannot believe what I see. I see a beautiful four-year-old blonde girl on the dad's arm with hatred in the face towards me, angry, uh, boo, boo, like this. And I'm next to her because I was signing for the person next to her. I get goosebumps still now. It was so... Um, such a terrible experience. And the dad had told her that I am evil, you know, because they were, of course, Hamilton fans and I am evil. And she had, she was four years old. She had hatred in her face towards me. And boy, I mean, that is just, it's so, it's so tough to, to deal with that situation, especially if um, there's a situation where you know that you haven't done anything wrong. I know, of course, I also did mistakes and everything, but in this situation, then I hadn't done anything wrong. Wow, that, it's so hard to, to, to handle that. That's a question I wanted to ask you, but uh, very often I, I've seen some fans, you know, like Senna's fans or whatever, and I, t I try to, to discuss with them, you know, because uh, said, you, know, you, you can be a fan of a, a team or you can be a fan of a, a man, but why do you hate me? You, you just ignore me <laughs> or, or be the fan of the, the guy that you like or you love I can understand that it's good for the for the sport why you want to to hate me you know because sometimes as I said I was a little bit afraid and when you see the anger it starts to be to be difficult because uh, as, as I said at the beginning it's a, we are all human but it's a human sport you know we are talking we are not talking enough about the human side of our sport and the teams and there are a lot of people there and uh, but when you start to have the anger in the eyes of the people that is really, really difficult. But we are not uh, not only you and me. We are, I suppose we have a lot of uh, a lot of cases like this, and then we have a racist uh, problem today in the sport. And you can have this kind of things. It's it's more or less the same, you know. And it's uh, it's increasing. You know? But again, difficult. And I can I can imagine what you have uh, you have suffered also on your on your side. It was really, really difficult, you know. Because at the end, I always come back to the psychology, you know. The, very difficult to be in a team with a teammate like you had with uh, Lewis, myself with uh, with Ayrton, and uh, even even with other. If you are not at the top inside your team, and if you feel that uh, there's a, the, I'm not talking about preference or thing like because it's very marginal, you know. Because very often it's only just a small detail that can put you in a down on a downside, you know. Uh, I remember when I was looking at the engines, you know, coming from Japan, and uh, it's written on the engine special for Ayrton, you know. And what did that mean? What did that mean? I I never imagined that it could have uh, ten or twenty or thirty or far more. But if you start to have the doubt in your head, looking at that, you have lost already. You know, psychologically, is it why? That, you know, it's all these kind of things. It's a succession of details. Things that uh, human, not human, technical, and uh, you know, you arrive at Monza, for example, in '89 when I had the T car and uh, for Ayrton, and we had 40 people on the side and four people on the, on the other side. You know, such, you know, the, it cannot work like this. You know, that is the that is difficult. When Toto asked me, I remember a few questions about you. I was gonna, I was gonna mention this because I know, I know from Toto that one of the greatest learnings from him before going into this battle of Lewis against me was, uh, was something that you told him, which you can share. Yeah, I told him a few things. I don't remember exactly, but I remember very well. that I said, never, never show to one or the other that you have a preference or you could have a preference or you, I mean, just try to stay, you know, the same with uh, both of them. I mean, don't put one or the other in a difficult position psychologically. Then you're going to have, uh, because you, obviously if you do that, then the one down is going to try to find some tricks or, or uh, you know, play a game or whatever. Then you start, then you start the thing. Also, entourage, you know, that the people around you, around the drivers, they can also play the game in this case, you know. Otherwise, if you, if you that is only a small, I mean, Naive advice, but I think it was good. I don't know if it works inside the team because you cannot see what what is uh, what happened inside. Uh, tricks and games. I don't know what you're talking about, Alain. No, yeah, no. But, uh, I'm just what, what? I'm just no, kidding. no. I'm, I'm not going to answer about tricks or games because it's, uh, I never played these things. But you want to be the you want to be the best in your 
team so you're uh, you know for example when uh, when i was at ferrari i always said i am political you know you know why because i was talking italian but i always talk italian right, from the go-kart you know and when you are at ferrari people they speak italian to you you know I, he did not want to participate to the briefing he was playing golf and i came back and he was upset when i was uh, speaking italian till uh, nine or ten o'clock in the, so he, he said that is politic I said, I'm, I'm trying to do the best i'm trying to be world champion with, with ferrari you know so i do uh, i play my own game i mean it's uh, so you see the difference between two drivers it can be uh It's not tricks, you know, but you need to you need to get the best. I mean, if you are in a team like Mercedes for yourself, tricks. I, I don't think you can have you can have tricks. I mean, on the track, possible, you know, but outside, I mean, especially in a team, a strong team, uh, you just play your game and try to do the best. And uh, uh, also the ambience inside the team. If the people they want to, they they, they love to work for you. It's uh, it's obviously easier. Some drivers. I met some drivers in my career, but he met where problems inside the team also because they did not uh, galvanize, you know, they, they don't motivate the people, you know, but uh, it's also a human side. It's it's very complex, in fact. Right? It's not uh, <laughs> it's not easy. Um, but you did mention Toto, so he really did try to follow your advice. And uh, we ended up having a contract that both drivers had to sign. And believe me, there was many, many zeros on this contract. And zeros not being paid, but having to pay zeros. <laughs> there was a, it was a big number. And it was, if we have a crash, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. Both are penalized. This was towards the end of our relationship. And it worked. It, it, it worked because uh, you, you understand that you just need to be a little bit more careful because the penalty is going to be very, very large. And both will have to pay it. So he definitely tried to try to listen. Unfortunately, you didn't tell that advice to all the other leaders within the team because they didn't listen to that so much. So that became more complicated then. <laughs> I don't want to comment that, but uh, I know it's difficult to have two drivers, you know, for fighting for the championship in a, in a, in a team. You know, I, I know how difficult it is, but anyway. Uh, let's jump back. I want to jump back because I think it's quite inspirational. You got the nickname Professor very, very quickly in your career. And there was uh, the story where the, you were very young, you were first in Renault, and suddenly you decided from yourself to transform the way the tires were going to put on your car, and you won the race. And so take us through how powerful it is to really think outside the box and have courage to also try to innovate and push. You know, this was your greatest strength. The philosophy I had the first year in Formula Renault said, okay, we are 25 or 30 drivers. We all have the same car. There is two philosophies. First one, say, okay, I am the best. I'm the quickest. I'm the best. I'm going to beat them, you know, easy. Or second one, my philosophy, we have the same car. I may be the best, but I'm not sure. I need to make everything that I can improve my performance. So the one I realized that was the easiest and very interesting because I, I've always been very motivated and interested by that. I want to understand how the car works perfectly. And then I want to set up the car the way I want for my style. So when I arrived in Formula One, you know, we had a, with Michelin at the time, we had the three type of styles, which I would always recommend to the Formula One uh, management and FIA for many, many, many years, you know. But we could manage the, the tires the way we want. That was a freedom, you know. So we had the quantity of tires. I've tested myself how, I, how it could work with our tires on the left, soft on the right, and sometimes only one tire, sometimes. Uh, and then I could set up the car the way I want. But you cannot do that without having the experience of how to set up the car. It's not, not that easy. So to make the story short, I've decided to do this way. And the guy from uh, Michelin, Pierre Dupasquet, said, no, you can't do that. It's not going to work. And uh, said, let me do. I know, I know what, I'm, what I'm doing, you know. And uh, I've done that. And I think I won uh, maybe at least uh, seven, ten races like this with different tires, you know. And I mean, obviously, after a lot of drivers, they, they went uh, more or less the same, uh, the, same, uh, the same way. And that's why the guy said, you're a professor. That uh, came from this, uh, this moment. I can relate to that also, to the importance of doing 100% on the preparation and really like innovate and think outside the box. But for me, it was very much driven by self-doubt. 
and also the fear of failing because I think, ah, shit, maybe, maybe I'm not good enough and, and I don't want to lose. So I put every effort I could into preparation to perfection. Did you mention a little bit, did you also, were you driven by this uh, self-doubt as well? 50%. And the strange things for me, the other, the other 50%, could, it could seem funny for you, it's the pleasure, the pleasure of doing by myself, you know, getting the car better or finding new ideas, you know. And in my career, I've done a lot of things that people do not know, you know, but uh, for example, uh, you know, bringing a guy I knew to, to make the, the car, uh, you know, the um, Polish, you know, to get to see if uh, the car was quicker in the straight. And I've been, uh, you know, I realized in, uh, that was in the late 80s, what, uh, you know, when you have a gearbox and we have a clutch, obviously, and uh, after one hour, I realized that in racing, uh, during the rest, that new movement, you know, with the legs was a little bit slower. Because it's the, the blood, especially when we had, if you remember, we had the, the, the feet, you know, going down. And uh, I called a guy that I know is was uh, the world uh, champion of ski, ski downhill, Michael Fruffer, French guy. He was uh, studying, you know, the flebologue. Is uh, what I don't know the, the term flebologue. You know, the the, the blood in uh, in the legs. So we experimented the the, the bas de contention. Sorry, the you know, and uh, I in the leg, I think, or something. Yes, like that. and yeah. that's what we can see with all sports guys today. And that was in eighty, I think it was eighty nine or ninety. That was more than uh, thirty years ago. And I rest with that, but I was hiding this kind of thing. I've done a lot of tests with Ron Poulenc also for the for the heart, for the neck, for the vision. You know, and my helmet was a little bit wider than everybody that I did not mention at the time because. Uh, when I've done some tests for the vision, I, I realized when, when you have a wider things, you have a much better perception of, uh, you know, it, you, you, you see that doesn't make a difference, but it makes the difference in my experimentation I've done. I've done a lot of things to get things better. And I was also very interested by that because you always learn. But, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I, I could tell you many, many stories that you could not, <laughs> could not believe, but I was always looking for new uh, new things, new tricks in, uh, in this way. You said that you don't do tricks. You're full of tricks, Alain. That's why, that's why I come back to tricks, because I prefer this kind of tricks. Yeah, positive, of course. But I, didn't, I didn't mean, uh, I didn't mean uh, bad tricks, mean tricks. No, positive tricks, and you forget, you forget to tell the others. Yeah, exactly. I did not want to tell anybody. You know? I don't know, I did not want to tell, for sure, because that was my, my experience. And my, I wanted to get uh, you know, the benefit of it. That is, uh, I, 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 had a, I had a black helmet because the paint on the helmet, yeah. I found out, was 80 grams. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I, I take off the paint because yeah. one kilo in our day, one kilo was three hundredths of a second per lap. Yeah. So uh, yeah. three thousandths of a second per lap was just the paint. Exactly. So uh, yeah. come on, you know, and, the, and I have a, also, I have 50 examples like that, just like you. So I can really, I can really relate with that. In our, in our time, it was uh, much less precise in this uh, sense. And we had to do it by ourselves. You know, we had to find the things uh, by ourselves, you know, and, and slowly it came to, the, you know, more people, engineers and people there. They can advise you, and uh, it's very, very different to that. Alain, I have a really, really big. Uh, uh, please, please, please. We're already now at fifteen. Um, please give me a little bit more, a little bit more time, and, and move your your meeting there or something, please. Okay, no, no problem. I give you ten more minutes. No, no, no. Please, Alain, come on. We haven't even touched on some of the most important things. Please, okay. You're putting pressure on me now. Uh, so, ah, okay. No, no. Please, wait. We need a little bit more time. 87, Alain, 87, you're at McLaren and they want to take Piquet. And you're like, no, no, uh, take Ayrton. And you say, because it's better for the general interest of the team. But what are you, like a charitable foundation or, or what's going on here? Like imagine, imagine uh, Lewis Hamilton getting asked from Toto today, do you want Raikkonen for next year or Verstappen as your teammate? I can tell you, he's not going to say Verstappen. He's going to say Raikkonen because he will. That ensures a calm situation in the team. It ensures that he can win all the year. He can be world champion. And you tell the team for the general interest of the team, take Senna. He's the best. 
I mean, are you are you crazy or what? <laughs> that is my naive side, and that is also the fact that I love. I mean, I love the team at the time. I love the sport. I love the you know. I mean, I could not imagine that would that would happen. But when I, you know, you're talking about '87 in '86, we have been with Ron uh, in Japan to get the engine for '87 already. Every time we had a discussion with the engine manufacturer or sponsors, I was going with Ron. I was almost like a partner. We were talking about shares in team. I was very close friend to Mansu also. McLaren at the time was my family. So we have been to, to Japan. I remember we had the long, long meetings at three o'clock in the, in the morning in the, in the room and all, all the Japanese people, there were small teams from 86 to 87. Then we had other discussion, and I remember very well we were in a, in a room with the Japanese and uh, we were talking about Nelson. I said, okay, because I was a good friend of Nelson, very good friend. <laughs> and um, said, but why Nelson? Because uh, the new generation, the good, uh, the future is, uh, is Ayrton, you know? So, and they all look at me, the Japanese, Ayrton, you want Ayrton? They were, they were very surprised, you know? And I, I could I could say no in, in my contract. I mean, with Ron, I could, I could say no. Say yes, but I think it's it's best for the team. I was only looking about the the, the best for the team. Okay, that was a disappointment, considering the after what happened, you know. But I don't want to too much into that. But I don't regret it because at the time when you make a decision like this, when you you do it for for a good reason, you know. So. There's no point to regret it. Okay, so then Senna, Senna joins. And of course, I mean, we, we experienced it as well at Mercedes, this, this negative relationship spiral. For us, I mean, the, the spiral really started 2014, actually. So we'd done a whole year, 2013, and then started in 2014. And it's not the right moment to like go into any details, but I know exactly where the spiral started. And, and it was actually where one of us did something where the other thought that it was on purpose, but actually it was not on purpose. And it was, uh, it was an accident, a minor thing. And then that was then the engineers picked up on it, told the driver, hey, look what the other guy is doing. And then you just get influenced from the outside. And then you want to set it straight because, hey, that's not right. I, I, that's not fair. And then, and then you build yourself up like that. And you then cross over the, into the gray area yourself as well. And then once you do that, the other guy sees that and it just spirals. It spirals and spirals and spirals and spirals out of control. So everything for us just started with uh, one guy doing a minor thing, which was definitely like almost beyond the gray area, but not on purpose. And the other one and the whole team and the engineers thought it was on purpose. Do you remember how the beginning of that was? What, what kicked it off that it spiraled so uh, out of control? It, it is very, very easy. Eight, let's put 88, that was a fantastic season, except one or two places like Portugal when he put me in the wall and was a little bit uh, tense and tough. He won one more race uh, than me. I could have won uh, Hungary, you know, when I overtook. And, uh, you know, one win is very one corner sometimes. You know. But on the sportive side, it was fair. Remember that he won one more race, but because of the rule at the moment, at this year, I had 12 more points, points. 12 yeah. points more than him, 12 or 14 points more than him. But okay, he was a champion, but no problem. I've seen the, the first test we have done in Imola. Ron asked me to drive the car first, and then uh, when you drive the car first, you know, normally you need a little bit more, more laps because you have a lot of uh, problems at the beginning you need to solve. And... Uh, and then after Alpha Day, he said, oh, you need to leave the car to Ayrton. I said, but Ron is not the plan because it's, at the moment, what I do is only one lap, two laps because there's a lot of things to fix. And I realized that, yeah, but Honda asked me that Ayrton has to drive. I said, Honda, I mean, you know, yeah. that was the first time. We are, you know, every time we had a, we had a proposition or we're fighting, you know, it was, a, we had a nice, no problem. 89, at the end of 88, I had a meeting in, in Switzerland with Mr. Kawamoto, the president of Honda, and I said to him, okay, I've seen a lot of things this year that is not fair. I've seen too much preference or too much, uh, you know, the way that people behave at Honda, 
is too much for Ayrton. And I really feel, uh, you know, I, I explained to him what I do with you, with a lot of people, the psychology inside the team was difficult for me to do. But it was, you know, and he said, I know, I appreciate that. My people are from the new generation and they, they like, uh, they, they prefer the young guy and, uh, you know, then, then you are like, uh, he has a panache and you are, you are the, 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 you know, more or less like this. So 89 was worse. That, that is for sure. But when arrived the Imola and Imola was the key of everything, you know, when he, we had the agreement and we have done this agreement minimum four or five times before, you know, but the agreement. We always do this agreement in front of somebody who was Ron and John Hogan was there in the motorhome. After the rest, we had a meeting in Pembroke in Scotland when we were testing. And Ron came and said, I want to see, see you. And he said to Ayrton, oh, what happened? You know, you had an agreement and you, you and it's, uh, but when Ron was talking to Ayrton, he was really, he was never strong. He was really, you know, uh, almost shy, you know. Ayrton said, but it's Anna overtook me before the first corner. He said, Ayrton, you know, we had seven of the million people, you know, looking at the, at the rest. How can you say that? You know, it was almost convincing his head that I overtook him. You know, so we had a, a strange discussion. And I've done a mistake. I've done a mistake because uh, and I, I, he was destroyed. Ayrton was destroyed. And I've, I've told the story to a friend of mine who was a French journalist. And he put it on the newspaper. You know, I've, I've done a mistake. But I did not do it on purpose. It was, we, we were very often we were talking off, you know, that we, can, we, we could do that at the time. And then he, uh, he has not accepted that. that. That is why he has stopped talking to me and we had a sort of a war, you know, which was uh, maybe completely different than the people can think why we had this, uh, you know, the, but the end of uh, 89 was really a nightmare for me, really, really a nightmare. And when talking about differences mentally between you two, you've said that Ayrton would create his own truth, um, yeah. and with, but which came from a lot of inner self-confidence. And so he would create his own truth which satisfied his inner confidence that it was not his fault, but it was someone else's fault. Um, and you give the example that it was obviously uh, him overtaking you in Imola and breaking the agreement. And he was so convinced that actually you, were, you overtook him and broke the agreement. And then... Yeah. But after you, you said that after a while of discussing, he realized that actually he was wrong and he started crying. Is that, uh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, cried a little bit. I didn't want to tell to say that, yeah, he cried a little bit. And that's why he, has, uh, he did not accept that it was, uh, you know, in the, in the newspaper the two days after, you know. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was really strange and uh, he, he was different. Elton was really different to any other driver that I, I met, uh, you know. And this side, it was very, really, but that is why also he was so confident about himself, you know. And then was, uh, I mean, qualifying, I almost did not, did not try to fight uh, in, in qualifying. It was so intense, you know, for, for qualifying. On one lap, it was uh, really, uh, could take any kind of risk. And, uh, but yeah, he was, was self-confident and he, he, he could not accept that we put this confidence in danger, in a way, you know, and that is why I, uh, you know, you see what I said about the film, Sena, I did not like, because when you, this story, and the, the two years I've done, and after when the fight we had, and then when I retired, and the last six months before his accident, I completely realized that uh, how he changed, he did not have this motivation, motivation was really based on myself a lot, not completely, but a lot. And also he lost his sort of self-confidence, you know, and he was not the same. He was not the same at all, you know. So he, in fact, in a way, he was trying to build this, this uh, carapace, you know, to be at the top. And without that, he, he was a little bit more fragile. But I, I've seen a, a different driver, a different man after the uh, uh, November 93. And if, but if you had to compare yourself, the strengths, would you say that he was then mentally stronger than you were? Would that be something that you would, uh, you would say? And, and because of the self-doubt you had more, than, that forced you to work harder and that became your strength to prepare more? Would you compare it like that? 
I, I would say that he was, um, he had 110% commitment, you know. But you also? And yes, but I was uh, too much in love for the sport, too much in love for all the things. I had already children. I had a family. You know what it is, is uh, it was a little bit different, you know. You, you, okay, when I say 100% for him, it's because I was 100%. Uh, I was, but he was, he was even more. You know, uh, I mean, the different subject we are going to understand. We are in a motor show in Geneva. I invite Ayrton, that was in 88. I invite Ayrton at home. Uh, my home is about 30 kilometers away from Geneva. We had a lunch, you know. Go in the car, does not talk very much to me. We, we have lunch. Uh, my wife was there, talk a little bit, five minutes, ten minutes, and then he goes in there, and then he had a nap. And then uh, we go back to the show, and then he had a, another nap in the car. I said to the, the older guy in Switzerland, his good friend, I said, you know, you know what happened? So I explained to him that uh, we could have had a nice, uh, you know, uh, time. He said, yeah, but Ayrton told me. I said, what, what did he say? He said that he went to your home and a nice lunch and things like this, but he did not want to talk to me because he doesn't want to be a friend. You know, this commitment is, uh, is uh, you know, you were talking about your dad in 96. Ask him all the evenings, we had a nice time and, and ask him, I mean, Nikki was, uh, two years with Nikki was uh, maybe, uh, I've never, never been like this in nightclubs and have nice parties and, uh, but we were professional, very professional, unbelievable, you know. But we could have fun, we could have a relation, you know. I mean, for me, it was not a problem to have a good relation with uh, with with Anton. I had a relation with the family, with the, with. The, but he, he did not want, you know. Uh, it was really the commitment. It was so strong that he wanted me to be uh, to to have a separate. I was his goal, his motivation, and he could not do that. But isn't that an isn't that a weakness if you make it so extreme? I think it could have been a weakness after I retired, maybe, uh, because he lost a little bit some, uh, but it was not a weakness when uh, he was uh, fighting with me because he had support from the team. He has a big, huge support from Honda and huge support from the, from the press, from the media and from the public. So it cannot be a weakness or it's more strength, you know, because uh, when Ayrton say, you know, this, uh, you have a red, uh, you have a red pullover. I can see it blue, <laughs> but uh, he was convinced that it was red. And some people could say, "Oh, yeah, maybe he's right. It may be red." You know, you know. No, is that you, you? You remember the press conference? I mean, you don't remember that press conference in Monaco when uh, I think eighty-eight or eighty-nine. I don't remember when. Um, Sorry, I was two years old. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I tell, you, I tell you, I tell you the story because it's uh, you have some journalists. They were, they were, they are still involved in Formula One. They were there at the time. You know, when uh, Thursday was quickest, uh, Friday was not. Uh, Saturday morning quickest. You know, and, uh, and Saturday qualifying, we had four sets of tires. The first three sets, I was the quickest, and the four sets, he had uh, beat me by uh, two tenths, three tenths. You know, and. Uh, and at press conference, we go together. Johnny said, how can, could you, uh, I mean, Alain was, looks to be much quicker than you. And then suddenly, the last qualifying set, you, you beat him. What happened? He said, you know, it was took time before we answer. He said, oh, I've decided after the tunnel that I moved myself from the car. <laughs> and I look, I, I look at the car, I look at the car, going around the, the track and I realized what I had to do and I came back to the car, put the four set and then beat, beat them. I was sitting beside him and said, that's going to be, you know, a disaster. It's going to be, uh, you know, the press is the media is going to, and nothing. Only in the press I've seen a mystic press conference, you know, and we were, we are talking very often to some journalists that were there at the time. I said, oh, why, why these things, you know, they did not, uh, went out because at least you could understand what, how, how it could, uh, it could feel, how it could, it could be, you know. And can you imagine when you are, if you put in my, my situation, you know, I said, okay, this guy can say anything is going to be supported. So you are in a weaker position all the time. You know, so that is uh, that is that's part of the story. Yeah, yeah, but it's a total. Sh 
course. No, no, I can, I can relate with that. But that's the strength of his then to create his brand, huh? to create his aura, because you can play the media and you play the public huh? in that way, and it gives you extra strength. On, on the other side, I must say that you had the evolution. But when I was with John Watson the first year, I was, uh, I was the, uh, I had a preference, you know. When I was the second year with Nikki, first year was the. Yeah, 50-50, I had a preference. When I was with Stefan, I had a preference. When I was with your dad, as soon as they, they realized that your, your dad was not, you know, I could, uh, I had a sort of preference. You can feel that sometimes, you know. So I must say that it can be both ways, you know. But he had the extreme situation with uh, Ayrton because of the personality and because of the, you know, the, the whole media and public, uh, uh, yeah. So you can relate a little bit with Sebastian Vettel's situation at Ferrari as well where he starts off as being the god, and then there's the young guy who comes. It's uh, so hard mentally, no? It is very hard because you, you, you need to, to understand that uh, you always, um, the, the young guy, especially if you have the talent, will always have the advantage because he has the advantage of being young, being the future of the, the team, you know? Uh, even Ayrton and myself, we had five years difference, you know? But uh, very often I heard about McLaren at the time, you know, with Honda. I mean, Ayrton is the future because for sure uh, it's normal, you know. The problem is to the people on uh, Formula One, they are not thinking enough on the human side. You're only, only two in the team, you know. And you, you have to protect also the, the, the guy that he has given to you uh, a lot before. And if you are prepared to have a young driver that uh, like Ferrari, you need to prepare also Sebastian for that, and you, you, you always, you can always help. The worst thing is to, to put you know the, you know the, the two guys in the, in the middle of everything and, and, and support only one guy and degrade it. You know the human side of the of the other guy. I really, uh, that is really difficult, and that happens very often. Formula One, I, I, I think. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you so much, Alain, for giving the extension of time. I have one more, one more things which, which for me gave me one of the biggest goosebumps is that you told me that one of your regrets from the Senna movie at the end is that it doesn't show the forgiveness and the strong friendship and as well how the Brazilian public sees you and receives you today. Can you just uh, share with us, like, if you would go to Brazil now and you come to the track, do they, uh, do they boo you or do they uh, celebrate you? No, I'm, I must say that is really a very good. Um, what happened in my life today is obviously it's very related to when you speak about Ayrton, you speak about me and the opposite. And uh, after after what happened, they, they all know and understand what what happened. Also, you know, and they, they, that is why the film is really a nightmare for me because I wanted to have uh, the complete, you know, uh, relation until the end because. The, the last six months, if you understand the last six months, you understand everything what happened before. And I don't have any reproach or I don't, uh, I don't think negative about this relation because it's part of the history and that is why I'm also here, you know, because it's uh, the, the, the popularity and whatever. But when Ayrton uh, died, you know, before we had 50-50, you know, and people 50, they love you, 50, they hate you, especially on my side. And I've had a lot of problems in France, a lot of problems in France, in my country, you know. When Ayrton died, we had a sort of uh, the, the, the community, you know, they went together, you know. And it's, uh, so I, you know, I'm, I have a connection with a lot of Brazilian and my Instagram, the most uh, followers from far they are in, in Brazil, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas, and then when I go to Brazil, it's like my not my country, but I have no problem. I would never have a security guy in, in Brazil. Never, you know, because it's, uh, I've been to Ayrton's house with the family. I'm still a member of the foundation. Still, I'm still in contact with uh, Vivian and uh, Bruno, obviously, because it's, it's part of the, you know, the history, as I said. And, that, and that's, that's best because at the end, we come back to the human side. And that's, that's what I wanted to show is the, more the human side for the last six months, calling me every week, sometimes twice per week, you know, asking questions and things like this. So I know I know a lot of things from, from himself that I could never, never realize. And the family knows that, so slowly you can feel how it was. In fact, even if it was tough, you know, it was, uh, the human side was stronger than, uh, than, you, than you think, you know.
But it's so nice to see. I, I, hope, I hope you have this uh, the same thing with with Lewis, maybe one day. But you don't know. Uh, oh, um, yeah, maybe one day. I would be open for that. Definitely. Now, when you're older, you can see different things. And for me, I was not older. I mean, suddenly, in one moment, on the podium in '93, and after at the press conference and after the press conference, I realized that boom, something was uh, absolutely, completely different. You know. And I could not, uh, I could not believe that. But maybe it requires one of us to do the first step of saying sorry, I guess. Yes, yes, because he, he, he told me many, many things, you know, that uh, was not correct or whatever, what he had done, thing like that. But he, I understood that he has done it to beat me. When he was racing in go-kart, and I've been go-kart from S3, he was only looking about myself. How was his goal? I didn't know that. If the people, they don't, they don't, and, uh, show you or don't explain to you, then you see, oh, he has done that. Done that. Okay, it was very strange sometimes, but at the end, I was very proud also, you know, because he was, uh, all his career was pointing to me, you know. When, when he called me the day after, uh, two days after Australia in 93, saying, Alain, because I had already an offer from McLaren, you know, with the Peugeot engine. He said, oh, please uh, come back, you know, uh, I'm not motivated to other guys and uh, motivating about yourself. And I lost uh, my goal. I lost my motivation. It's a sh- you know, why are you telling me that? Is that? But I explained a lot uh, after. I Did you also say sorry? Um, I, I, I said sorry about the, the article, the, the fact that I, yeah. but I said sorry about that, but oh, be, much before that, during the year, in 89. Yeah. I went to see him in the motorhome because we were talking in the motorhome when he didn't talk to me anymore. Yeah. We were, when we had a briefing, technical briefing, we were talking like if you were like your dad, like uh, Nikki, like uh, normal, absolutely normal. And I promise you that I never lied or I never hide something when we were in a technical briefing. And I must say that I'm sure, and I cannot be 100%, but I'm sure that he had not lied also himself on the technical side. After it was a closed door. And one day I remember he came back to the motor home and said, Okay, Nathan, I want to tell you that I spoke off to my friend for 20 years. I'm sorry about what happened. I did not want to do it. I just want you to, but excuse me, that's the only, only time I, I, I did it. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Alain. I'll call you to do the mediator. So when uh, Louis and I we meet, you come and you do the medi- mediation. Huh? You sit in, in the middle. I want, I want to be in the middle. That would be fine. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much, Alain. Very, very interesting. Bye-bye. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.